Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Man, what a great worship together today. I appreciate Mark and his leadership and your worship and just the sweet spirit in this place. You are blessed, I'm telling you what. I, uh, I'm in a different church every Sunday. Let me, de- let me describe the, the positions at Liberty there. Director of, uh, I, I'm serving in two areas that I love most. The Director of Experiential Learning, which I have an opportunity to pour into the next generation of pastors. Uh, I've served enough time in the local church and with the Lord that I've now have the opportunity to invest in training up the next generation. And I believe the hope of the church is going to be in the hands of the Gen X and the Gen Zs. Uh, yes, yes. The millennials are probably going off the chart here, you know. <laughs> they're, they're moving all out of the way and stepping in for the Gen X and Gen Z. So I'm pouring into the lives of undergrad and graduate students. And uh, the other title is Director of Church Revitalization. And I praise God for the local church. I've served the local church for 35 years in serving as pastor. I was campus pastor at Liberty University, pastoring the students there, but I love the local church. You want to know what's important to me? First of all, I love the Lord. I love the local church. I love this book called the Bible. I love my family, and I love my country. I thank God for the opportunity that I have to minister Sunday after Sunday with the Word of God. And you're blessed today because you have a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I can sense that when I come in, just the the fact that you have families here. I'm telling you what, I go Sunday after Sunday in other churches, and some churches I go in, I feel like I'm preaching to a box of Q-tips. All I see is white everywhere, you know. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with white, believe me, but I'll tell you what, we need more in the church than just old people, and I am one of them. So my generation is stepping aside, and I have the privilege of training the next generation to come into the local church, because I believe the hope and the help in the local church with God anointing and God sanctioning the young pastors, and you just need to pray that God will raise up great leaders, because our churches are in trouble, our families are in trouble, our government's in trouble, and I thank God that uh, the hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our country is losing hope, but praise God, I am not losing hope because my hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus, and he's got a plan. He's sovereign Lord. He's on the throne, and great is the Lord, and great victory we will experience. So families, today would you take your word, if you have a copy of God's word, regardless of what version it may be, we're going to read from the New King James, and it's about the family. And the title of today's message is, It's All in the Family. Some of, the, some of you old timers remember that title, It's all, it, all in the Family. You remember Archie Bunker and Edith, and well, that's not what I'm talking about today. Just put that out of your mind. It is all in the family. God has started the church through the family. God has started the nations through the family. Family was the original institution that God created. The family structure is the foundation and the fundamental social unit of all human communities. It's not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. It's not something that we can redefine. And we're finding today there's a lot of effort today trying to redefine what the family is. You can't redefine what God creates. Would someone say amen? 
God has placed the family as a center focal point of all social communities, whether they're pagan or whether they're civilized, there's families. God created male and female to produce children. And that is God, what that unit is called the family. In uh, Psalms 127, it says, Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. It is God who builds the house. It is God who builds the family. It's not up to a governor. It's not up to a president. It's not up to a nation to try to redefine it, uh, try to improve it, or, or, or try to revise it. It is God's program. And anyone that tries messing with God's family, God's program from the very beginning will be under God's hand. Blessed be the family. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Lest the Lord concerning nations now, unless the Lord guard the city, the watchmen uh, stay up late and wake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for so is he who uh, is uh, for so he gives beloved uh, sleep, the comfort and the assurance that comes through following God's institutions and God's plan. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is the reward. Like arrows in the hand of the warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man, could someone say amen? Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. You know how many a quiver full is? Twelve. So I didn't hear a whole lot of amens on that one. Uh, they, they, shall be, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that I can just look out over this congregation and I see families. Oh God, our country is losing our families. Oh God, our churches are losing our families. God, I pray that you would help us today as a nation on this 4th of July, this celebration of freedom, of liberty, that Father, we might celebrate what you have done in our country Lord, that we might return to the old paths, that we might go back, Lord, and reestablish the foundations of our government, foundations of our families, and foundations of our churches. Lord, we know that we cannot survive unless we have a strong institution of family and government and a church. And Father, I pray that you just help us today as we challenge this congregation today about praying and standing strong on the family. I thank you, Lord, that today, as though families are being threatened, we know that our nation, Lord, our freedoms are being threatened as well. And I pray, God, you'd help us to be able to uh, be stirred and challenged today, Lord, on this uh, celebration of our freedoms, uh, to just look to you, Father, for direction and help. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The primary function of the family. You, I've noticed that you have a little sheet there with notes, so I encourage you, if you would, I'm going to at least write down three words for me because I think they'll be helpful for you. Three words that will help to define the function of the family. Why did God create the family and what purpose does he have in that? God created the family first. When you look back into Genesis before the church was established before a nations were established before the nation of Israel was established or the Jewish people uh, before governments were set in place God first of all established the family because the family was to be the building block or the foundation upon every other institution so as goes the family so goes the nation 
as goes the family, so goes the church. So the family is the foundation. If we're going to have freedom, we have to look to the church of Jesus Christ and look at the families that established that church. I have written down here a statement written uh, in a recent or, or in an article some time ago from the New York Times written by William uh, Bennett, who was the former U.S. Secretary of Education, and he writes this and how true it is. He says, and I quote, I'm a product of divorce and several stepfathers, but I still believe in the importance of the traditional family. The family is the nucleus of civilization and the basic social unit of society. Research clearly shows that the institution of the family is the first form of community and the first form of government. For civilization to succeed, the family must succeed. And right now, he says, the families are not succeeding. Today, the facts and statistics say this. Today, more than half of all births of American women under 30 occur outside of marriage. Today, the legitimate rate in some communities are as high as 70%. If we have stronger families, we will have stronger schools. If we have stronger families, we'll have stronger churches. If we have stronger families, we'll have stronger communities. The family is the linchpin of society, both economically and socially. He said a mouthful. And today we're finding that our nation is trying to say that the family doesn't need to be historically or traditionally a father, a male, and a female producing children. They say families today are groups of anybody that wants to gather under one roof can be called a family. That's not God's definition of family. We're finding today that all the barriers and all the uh, values uh, are being broken down. We're finding today that there's a large Matter of fact, let me just say this. What I may be saying today may be illegal for me to say uh, six months or a year from now. Uh, when I talk today about the truth, people that look at the truth will look at it as hate speech today. Some of the things that I say concerning truth will be interpreted as uh, uh, hate speech uh, some of what I say about truth today may be interpreted as radical extremism. Someone said one time recently, those who hate the truth will look at the truth as hate. And though I preach the word of God and though I will always stand upon this word, there's no place in, the, in, the, in, the, in our country for anything to define itself as a family outside of the traditional male and female bearing children. That's God's definition. God founded it, God established it, and God will sanction it, and God will preserve it. If you have your pe pencil there, I want you to write three things down, and I'll do those very quickly, because sometimes I chase rabbits and get off here and there, but I want to give you three little things that'll help you to be established in your understanding of the message today. What is the basic function, and why did God create the family, and why is it so important? Number one is procreation. Number two is education. And number three is imitation. So if I get sidetracked and I go some other direction, which I hope I won't, you'll at least know the outline today. Number one function of the family. Why did God create family for procreation? What is procreation? It's fertilization. It's having babies. And the Bible tells us that when he formed man and woman, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says, 
that he created male and female, excuse me, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, God created male and female, then God blessed them. It's a blessing to be able to create male and female. And God created that unit and, ble that unit and blessed that unit. Then God blessed them, he said, and said to them, the male and the female, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. God made the family, male and female, listen to me, to have babies. This ought to excite women. Amen? You are commissioned of God to do one of the most incredible feats known to mankind. God has given you and your husband the ability to, to create life. I don't know about you, but one of the most exciting things in my life was my first baby being born. I'm telling you, I, I come unclued. I, I, I can't even begin. I, can t I wish I had time to just kind of describe what took place there. I was doing my internship. I was 22 years old in downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And my wife was in the biggest hospital in Pittsburgh. Hospitals scared me. Cities scared me. I'm a country boy. I grew up in Luthersburg, Pennsylvania. If you don't know where Luthersburg is, you probably won't ever find it anyway. But it's on the western part of Pennsylvania, and I was doing my internship in Pittsburgh. But I'm going to tell you what, when my wife went in to have her baby, that's before men were able to go into the, to the, to the labor room, before men were able to go into the delivery room. What we were told back then is, you husbands, stay out in the waiting room, and we'll give report. Well, I'm telling you what, I was pacing up and down and my heart was pounding so fast and I couldn't sit still. I ran out, got in the car, rode around Pittsburgh, come back and run up the steps, run up the elevator, jumped in my uh, waiting room and paced the floor back and forth again. And finally the doctor came in and said, it's not yet. So I ran down, got in the car, ran to Pittsburgh, my heart racing. I'm telling you what, I was a nervous wreck when I went up to the waiting room. The doctor finally stepped in, and he had this little baby. And I'm telling you what, I fell to my knees with the thought. And I, I, I remember going to my wife when I uh, went into the, uh, to, to, was allowed into her room. And I said, man, I am so excited to be able to create life. And she looked at me and said, well, please give me a little credit for this as well, you know. <laughs> I've had something to do with it. I was so thrilled with the fact that God has allowed me to be able to be creator of what he holds and sanctions as him, his own to be able to create life. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, when Eve gave forth her baby, this, I love her statement when she brought forth her first baby. Now, remember now, there's no babies being born. This was all new to them. And Eve brings forth this baby. And I love what she says. He says, I have inquired a man from the Lord. You know what she was kind of saying? She was so surprised. Here, within her loins, came, coming out of her body, was this little man. And here's Adam standing there. and he's, she, I can kind of see her looking at this little man in her hands looking at Adam and saying, look at this, Adam. It's, it's a little you. Two legs, two arms, two eyes. It, it's, his nose looks like your nose, Adam. I'm telling you what, she was so overwhelmed with the thought that she created a little man. There's nothing quite like having babies. Be fruitful, multiply, you know what's happened in our society today, and I, I know I'm going to get some folks upset with this one, but just bear with me, hey, especially the ladies. 
when, you, when we get to the end of the message, you are going to walk out of here so enlightened and so blessed and so filled with value and so filled with respect and so filled with new energy concerning your position as a mom. I guarantee it. But what has changed in our country is the size of our families. Right now, the average family bears two children. My mom came from a home of 12 kids. <laughs> ladies, when God said to us, guys and ladies, be fruitful, uh, having a baby is fruitful. Having two babies is fruitful, but he doesn't stop at that. That's adding. But he says, and multiply. <laughs> multiply. And then he doesn't stop at that. He says, and fill the earth. And he doesn't stop at that. He says, subdue it. So God's plan is this. Ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, what God's plan for family is this. He wants you to be adding to your family. He wants you to be multiplying your family. He wants you to be filling the earth with your family. And then he wants you to subdue the earth with your family. What does that all mean? God's intent from the beginning is to have a righteous offspring. He wants us to raise up a generation of God-fearing and God-loving children. You know something? The greatest means of evangelism is within the family. 50% of all conversions happen before a child is 13 years old. 50% of all the conversions. Another 20% happens before they leave the home at 18 years old. So what God intended was... The greatest means of evangelism is for us to have children and have babies and then to be able to teach them and listen to me, indoctrinate them into the ways of the Lord. You say indoctrinate? Yes. It's our job as parents to fill them with the Word of God, to fill them with the love of Jesus, to create an offspring that will fill the earth and then subdue it. If our country is out of order today, it's because Christians have dropped the ball in having children, in indoctrinating them, and filling the earth with a godly seed. Now, before you get too upset, you're looking at me and say, okay, big boy, how many kids have you had? <laughs> Three. See, I came to the knowledge of the truth too late. That's my excuse, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but, but women are kind of looking at me thinking, man, do you, are you saying we're just supposed to be a bunch of baby makers sitting barefoot and pregnant at home and making dinners and washing, washing clothes and changing diapers the rest of our lives? Listen, just hang on to this truth for just a moment because I'm going to get to you and explain who you really are in the household. But God has told us that we should be filling the earth and indoctrinating them with the ways of the Lord. Re recent survey says that Christianity is the largest by 29% of the world's population claims to be Christian. But listen to this, 24%, the second largest uh, religion in the world is what? Muslims. But listen to this, 34% in the next five years will be the growth of the Muslim religion. And how are they evangelizing? How are they filling the earth? I say evangelizing. How are they filling the earth and indoctrinating with Muslim or Islam? Because they're having babies. They have households of babies. And what are they doing? They're indoctrinating them in the truth or their, their, their philosophy of Islamism. And 
they're indoctrinating them with Islam to the point where they're willing to strap a bomb to themselves and blow themselves up for their cause. Are we training our children? We'll move on to the next one here. Are we training our children and bringing them to Christ so that they fill the earth and subdue the earth? That's God's number one function. Number two, it's for education. There's no better place to educate than in the home. I know we want to push it off on the public schools, and I know we want to even say Christian schools, and I know we want to say it's someone else's job to educate our children, but the main function of the home and family is for education of the next generation. It's our job and our responsibility to teach them and instruct them in the things of the Lord. And not only that, they, the, the, a child will uh, see God through the lens of the family. A child will be introduced to God's morals and God's ethical codes through the family. And as fathers become fathers and they start representing who God the Father is and mothers begin to represent the love of the Lord in the lives of their children, they'll teach them all kinds of things while they're growing up. A child's basic personality is being formed within the home. What are they going to learn in the home? They'll learn encouragement. Uh, they'll, learn, they'll learn submission. They'll learn discipline. They'll learn restraints. They'll learn conflict resolution. You put them in a, a, a family of 12 kids, and I guarantee they're going to learn some conflict resolution in that. They learn from their getting along with their siblings. They're taught the framework of values. They're taught how to live in a community. They're taught how to uh, 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 obedience. They're, they're taught how to uh, get along in society. They're taught uh, forgiveness. Uh, they are taught in the home standards and responsibilities. See, it's all in the family. God says, my purpose of the family, my institution that I started with as the building block of society, of the building block of the church, I educate our children in the home. So today, when we trust our school systems, when we trust in secular humanism, when we trust, them, trust in, in our public schools, we uh, uh, see them being taught evolution and secular humanism and atheist, atheistic doctrines and cultural relativism. They're taught things that that uh, twist them away from God. But the home and the foundation of the family is the basic place where they'll learn unconditional love. They'll learn correction. They'll learn security. They'll learn acceptance and a true identity. So the home is the basic place of education. And I don't think there's any greater responsibility as to take up a little child, to give birth to another human being, and then to have the responsibility of being a reflection of Jesus of being the character and the nature and the attributes of God displayed in your life, passed on to your children. I have three children, and all three of them are serving God in full-time ministries. My son's a pastor uh, up in the Stanton area. He has three children. My daughter married uh, a, a Christian camp director from Liberty University. They've been uh, Christian camp directing and pastoring up in the camp in Maryland. Uh, my other oldest daughter married a young guy that uh, was from my first church plant. Uh, he was seven and my daughter was six. And there was one of the charter members and my daughter grew up with this boy and eventually uh, married him. And they have two children and he also is a pastor of a church. So my kids have seen demonstrated as I've pastored and as I've Given my life to serve the Lord, they've seen demonstrated in my life, in the life of their mother that loved them and taught them. All of our children were led to the Lord by their mother, leading them to Christ 
to teaching them. Yeah, our kids, they're not perfect, but we tried to teach them unconditional love. We tried to teach them to follow God as the blessing of life, tried to teach them that then they, when they disobey, they're corrected. When we try to teach them what security is all about, that there's a home and family that loves them and will securely accept them. And we also taught them identity, who they are in, 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 in Christ. So we have procreation. We're, we're created to have babies. We're created to fill the earth with a godly seed. We're created as a family to educate our children. And then finally, listen to this. This is the best one. I love this. This is probably something you've never heard before. And, and I'm going to give you a chance to go out of here questioning what I'm about to say. That's okay. Uh, it's okay to be wrong. Uh, but uh, the, the last one on imitation, you're gonna, I'm going to tell you some things that maybe you've never heard before about this. What does it mean to imitate? The fam what is the family imitating? The family is imitating the heavenly family. You say there's a family in heaven? Isn't it interesting how God has created him and, and de describes himself as a family unit? He's a, he's a father, he's a son, and he's a Holy Spirit. Three individual personalities, three individual natures, but yet having different responsibilities and different roles in responsibility. Here's three in one uh, on, in heaven and producing three in one on earth. First John chapter 5 says, There are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. What does that mean? God has created the family to represent or image what is created in heaven. Are there things... I kind of look at earth and everything about earth as a, as a uh, small carbon copy or a facsimile, facsimile of what's taking place in heaven. So when I drive around, I see the creation of God. I, I see the fingerprint of God. I see the hand of God everywhere I look. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day reveals knowledge, and night, unto, and night after night reveals uh, uh, speech. And there's no speech or language where their knowledge is not heard. It's, it, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, God is demonstrating His glory, revealing His truth, revealing his, who He is through nature. But God has also created things on earth that reflect the very copies of heaven. So I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven to see, when we look back at earth and say, man, that was just kind of a little minute, uh, minuscule copy of what we're experiencing in heaven. Because the Bible says in heaven there's rivers, in heaven there's fruit trees, in heaven there's streets, in heaven there's walls, there's cities. And what this earth around us is, is a minuscule little copy of what we're going to see in heaven. And the Bible goes on to say this in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 23. It says, therefore it is necessary that copies of things in heaven should be purified with these things on earth. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, but which is a true, which is a copy of the true. In other words, the tabernacle that God created through the instruction to Moses was a, a little picture of what heaven is going to be like. The outer courts, the inner court, the holiest of holies. All, the Bible told, told Moses to put it after the pattern because everything about the tabernacle was a sign or a symbol of what heaven was to be like. So things on earth are 
images or copies or models of things in heaven. So also, I said all that to say this, the family is a model of the heavenly family. In heaven, there are families. In heaven, there's community. So uh, we, it's not by accident that God is called our Father. It's not by accident that we're called the children of God. Is it sacrilegious or unholy for us to call ourselves Father when the Heavenly Father is called a Father? Is it sacrilegious or blasphemous to call ourselves sons of God when Jesus is called the sons of God? I don't know if you've picked up where we're going with this, but we have a Heavenly Father and we have earthly fathers. We have Heavenly Son, Jesus, the Son of God. We have the sons on earth called the sons of God. But there's one missing here. The other part of the trinity of the family is who? The mother. Has anyone ever thought that maybe the mothers are the Holy Spirit of the home? Does that blow your mind? If women think that they have no identity, if mothers think they have no value, if they're always looking for importance and value and place, could anything be more important than to be Holy Spirit of your home? You say, how do you get that? I've done a little word study of, of the description of the character and nature of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I'm doing as I study that? I find out the characteristics and the nature of the Holy Spirit line up almost identical to what a mother does. I mean, the Holy Spirit describes my mother to a T. All her, his attributes, all his characteristics, all his nature kind of describes exactly the way my mother was. John chapter 14, verse 26 says the Holy Spirit is our comforter. I'll tell you, my mother was my comforter. My dad offered very little comfort. If I fell down riding the bike and I came in with my ski, knees all skinned up, you know, I'd run to my dad. You know what my dad say? Oh, you'll be all right there. Just go on in and put a little Band-Aid on that thing there. Just don't stop your fussing. What I would do is you would run to my mom. Mom would pick me up and she'd say, oh, we'll take care of that. Take me in and wash it off and baby me up a little bit. I'm going to make you your favorite dessert tonight. Oh, you'll be okay. Just kind of soothe it, put a little salve on it. Just kind of fix it up. Yeah, that was my mom. She was my comforter. The Bible also tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the Holy Spirit is our guide. My mother constantly was giving me direction and guidance. The Holy Spirit also is our corrector. The Bible says when, the, when we get out of line, it's the Holy Spirit that reproves, rebukes, and exhorts. You know, I know fathers are supposed to be disciplinarians of their home, but I want to tell you what, my mother laid more whoopings on me than my dad ever did. My mom, I'm telling you what, you get out of line with my mom, whatever she had in her hand, you could expect to come to be an, a, a projectile coming toward your head, you know. Uh, when we were outside and we tried to do something wrong, my mom was like old Indiana Jones. She'd grab the garden hose and man, you could not run the long slash of mama's garden hose. She, she was the disciplinarian of our home. She'd always say sometimes, you know, wait till your father gets home. When the father got home, when my dad came home, there was no great punishment. It was always, well, go see your mom. Mom was a disciplinarian. The Holy Spirit, according to Psalms chapter 89, is also the giver of gifts. And also in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, it tells us the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. It's not that my dad never gave me a gift, but I want to tell you what, if it wasn't for my mom reminded him of my birthday and reminded my dad of Christmas, it was my mom who was a bestower of gifts. How about your home? 
Is your mom the one that usually is the one that remembers all the sweet little gifts? My mom is the giver of gifts. Uh, my mom was a protector, just as the Holy Spirit is a protector. The Holy Spirit's our encouragement. So also, uh, my mother, always encouraging, always strengthening. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, Luke chapter 12, verse 12. So also, my mom was the teacher of our home. The Holy Spirit's kind of the emotion of, of God, isn't it? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. So my mom was kind of the emotional. The heart of the home is the mother. And it goes even deeper than that, folks. When I think of the Holy Spirit and I think of the church, what gave birth to the church? Was it not on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down that the birth was? Who's giving birth in your home? Mama. So also the Holy Spirit gave birth to the, to the church of Jesus Christ. He's the giver of birth bringing forth children. This Holy Spirit's today still giving birth. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you'll, you'll not be born of God. We're born by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mother portion of God who gives birth to the children of God, to the sons of God. Oh, I think of the, the disciples when Jesus was about to go to heaven. Uh, he said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit, your mom hasn't got here yet. Uh, go to Jerusalem and go into the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You don't go anywhere without Mama. Mama ain't going, ain't nobody going. Sometimes we think dads, you know, they're, 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 the, they're the big wheel of the house. The big wheel doesn't go anywhere without Mama greasing a little bit, amen? Uh, we think dad is a big engine. The engine doesn't go anywhere without the oil and the gas of Mama. So the, the mother... Uh, of, uh, uh, of the Godhead, so to speak, with all its characters, equal in its nature, or, or uh, yeah, equal in its nature, equal in its value, equal, the Godhead equal in its, in its characteristics, but different in its responsibilities, different in its roles that it places. So in heaven, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has called the family to be an imitator of what has been established in heaven we look to him for the direction for our families. The Bible tells us that this family unit that we have is sanctioned, ordained of God, and set forth for us as an example that we might be born of the Spirit, we might operate in the Spirit, and we might be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And God says in the family, the father and the mother and the children are all uniquely and beautifully blended together to be this special thing called the family, God's divine institution. I want you to pray right now. Would you bow your heads? I want you to think of a family right now, whether it's your family or another family. And we heard this morning all kinds of prayers concerning different situations. I, I, I want you to pray generally as we close the service for the family in America today. Would you pray today that God would re rebuild what the world and our society has broken down? Would you pray for the families that are in trouble today, families that are uh, shaken today by some of the things that's going on, whether it's uh, sorrows or uh, disasters that's taken place in the family? Would you pray for them? Just in a moment, pray for a family that God brings to your mind right now. Maybe a family in trouble. Pray generally for our national institution of family.
Listen, folks, if the family is destroyed, our nation's destroyed. We look today on this 4th of July as we celebrate our freedoms. Our freedoms are at stake concerning the home and the family. It's these moments of, before we sing the final song, pray for the institution of the family, how valuable it is that we might continue to raise up, whether it's two children, whether it's one child, whether it's 10 children or a dozen children, we as moms and dads would begin to put families together to, to, to teach them and love them and make sure they have that godly foundation that we don't just send our children to church, we take their children to church, we go as families to church. Pray for the families to get back into church. Pray for the families to be united with all the conflict and the troubles that's going on within the home and family. Pray that there's a unity among the families today. Broken homes, illegitimate births, uh, families that have been split, single, single parents. Pray for the structure of the home. God, on this day of acknowledgement of the freedom of our country. Lord, I know a vast majority of Americans today look at our nation and feel that we're in trouble. Lord, what's happening in our land today with a breakdown of our families, affecting the breakdown in the church, affecting the breakdown in our government. Oh God, I pray that you'd restore the righteous family again. Lord, we can't redefine it. We can't remake it. We, we can't uh, recreate it, God. We have to go back and recognize that it is your family. It's your responsibility. So we lean upon you today, Father God, to restore. I, I pray for every family in this church. I pray, God, you'd encourage them to stand strong to come to church as a family unit and worship together. And then families, Lord, right now that maybe they've lost their, their children, their families are scattered. I pray, God, that you just help us to pray, Father, for a reu reunion of families and homes because we realize how valuable it is. And Jesus, I pray that we could see our nation turn back. Bring revival to our churches. Bring revival to our land. In Jesus' name, I praise you and thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.